listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. So this is like great. And then I meet David and he's talking to David. It's like, I'm just like tripping out. I'm like, I have so hard time remembering everybody's names, all these thousands of names. And you guys are just making this easy. So next week, I want you to all sit in groups together. Whatever your name is, just find the other Davids and Johns and Chucks and you guys have your own little section and it'll make it a lot easier for us. Welcome. I'm glad you guys have chosen to come hang out with us tonight. Um, if you've never been to Gravity before, then we just want you to know that this is a great place for you to come. Um, we're open. We're open to you. We're open to God and we're open to the amazing things that God tries to do. And, and sometimes we have a hard time letting him do. And we believe that relationships between people are really important. And we, we believe that takes time. And so after church is over, we encourage you to talk to people and to get to know each other and to get phone numbers and to hang out. And, and life is it's worth living. And it's worth living with other people that, that are trying to figure it out together. And so you're in a safe place tonight if you're trying to figure life out. There's a lot of us that are in the same thing and doing the same stuff. So um, if you guys have your Bibles with you tonight, we're going to take a look at some scripture. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at some concepts in the Bible that we've been discovering the big thing that we've been talking about going back for a long time now is this idea that in, in the heart of God, when he created the world and when he decided that he wanted to put man on this earth and things started to get kind of crazy and out of hand, God in his heart and in his mercy put in place a plan that would bring us back together again with him. Because when we look around this world, we all see the effects of darkness. We all see the effects of abuse. We all see the effects of things that are happening that we know aren't right. They're not the way that they should be. And it brings up a lot of questions for us. It makes us think, how could this happen? And many of us come to a place where we actually ask of God, God, how could you let this happen? If you're so powerful, God, how come so much suffering in the world? How come there's all these thousands of people right now in Africa that are literally dying of starvation while other people are holding them hostage with guns to prevent them from being able to eat. Tragic, tragic things that are happening all over this world. And when we look at it, it brings up a lot of questions. I'm here to tell you right now that I believe that God is not happy with the suffering in this world. As a matter of fact, I believe that God is creating, is putting in place his plan to bring restoration and to put a stop to all of the injustices and all of the wrongs and all of the things that you and I have seen and have learned to live with in our lives. But you and I, we have a very short period of time that we live here in this world. And so our perspective is very small. We see things very, very small in the scope of the big picture and God sees it from beginning to end and God knows everything that is going to happen before it happens and God knows how to put in place all of the parameters and all of the things that we need in order for God to be able to do what he's going to do but I'm telling you one thing that you and I play a part in the plan of God to make wrongs right you and I play a role in the plan of God to correct injustice you and I together collectively form one body. And God says, you're my body. And on this earth, I want you to be the hands and the feet and the mouth and the eyes and the ears that when you see wrongs, you're a part of the, the plan of God to make them right. 
So I'm here to tell you tonight that good things are coming, that there's a God of hope, and you and I get to play a part of that good thing and about that hope. And so we've been learning about what this looks like. We've, we've been reading in Scripture about all of the pictures in the Bible that God uses to describe us. If you're here tonight and you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ, then there's pictures in the Bible to describe who we are and what we look like. And one of the pictures that we looked at was the picture of a family. The Bible refers to us as the family of God, and it, it shows us this amazing picture of a family that doesn't look like yours and my family. When we look at our earthly biological family, some of us are like, are you serious? I'm trying my best to get away from these quacks, and you're telling me I got to be another, you know, join another family. The picture that God gives of his family is completely different than my family and your family. The picture that God gives us is of a family where we trust each other, where trust is being developed. That's a strange concept, isn't it? But that's what God is saying. And, and he, he says that in our family, we learn how to be open and honest with each other. We confess things to each other. Confession is a normal part of our family. And we also have a family that learns how to show love to each other before we feel like it or before someone's shown it to us. In other words, we go first. We are in a family where God says, you're going to be preemptive in your love. You're going to not wait for somebody else to be nice to you. You're going to show love to them first. This is a different kind of a family. And this is the picture that the Bible shows us. The other picture that we've been looking at is this picture of a body and how we have so many different diverse functions and different parts that make up a body. And the Bible says that that's how the family of God is, that it's got all these different parts and each part plays a very, very specific and important role. And many of us, when we look at ourselves, we think, I don't really make that much of an influence in people's lives. I don't really have a lot to offer. I don't really have the abilities that other people have to, to do things. And God says in scripture that what you do is absolutely vital. And he says, how foolish would it be for the eye to tell the ear, I don't need you, get lost. It was foolishness, right? And yet sometimes we look at ourselves in the family of God and in the body of Christ and we think, I'm not really doing anything but taking up space. My role is not very important. I'm here to encourage you tonight that the picture that God gives us in scripture is that if you are a follower of Christ, you are vitally important. And I'm gonna say it to you like this. I need you. I am missing out on things in my life that you alone can meet my needs with. You alone have gifts and things that nobody else in this room has. And by you thinking of yourself as unimportant and sitting on the sidelines, I'm missing out. And that sucks. I want what you have. So please share a little bit, would you? Get in the game. Show us what, you, what you've got. And if you're here tonight and you're just like, I don't know what I got. It's all right. We'll figure it out together. It's a part of community. It's a part of understanding this thing. One of the other pictures in the Bible that we've looked at is this picture of a church. God calls us, a bunch of people, his church. He's not talking about a building like the one we're sitting in here tonight. He's talking about individual lives. And he says, you make up my church here on the earth. And we read through scripture that he gave gifts to his church, that he distributes gifts to us. And he says, my church needs to stay together. My church needs to minister to each other. My church needs to be healthy and complete and whole. And 
A lot of you are unhealthy tonight and you're broken and you're carrying bitterness and you're carrying resentments and you're carrying pain and you're carrying a lot of things. And the only way that you're going to get free from those things is when the gifts of God's church are ministered to your life and you allow it to happen. And then you in turn share the gifts that God's given to you. And so we believe that the gifts of God were given to the church to hold us together to keep us connected, to keep us one, to keep us in a place to where we aren't segmented and all separated, but we're collectively one thing, one body unified in Christ. Well, tonight, we're going to look at another picture that's in the Bible of us, of the group of people that are assembled here tonight. In the book of Revelation, there's, there's um, a lot of different imagery And in the book of Revelation, if you've never read it before, it has a lot of different images and different things that that play um, symbols and different things that are sometimes kind of hard to completely understand. And if you've ever read it and you've walked away going, man, that was trippy. That was like watching some Stephen King movie or something. You're not alone. I have the same feeling sometimes. But The most beautiful thing about the book of Revelation is that there's a lot of it that's really plain to understand. It's really easy to be able to look at and go, this is, this is really, really special. And it shows really a story that is the climax of a story that's been being played out through all of history. It's the story of Jesus and it's the story of his church. But there's another story that it tells. And in Revelation chapter 19, we're just going to read a little snippet of it just so that we can get the understanding, it says, I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. This is what he heard. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. And his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Well, right then and there, you know that we're God's holy people if you call yourself a follower of Christ. And so you're in this story right here. You're right here in the middle of this. But the other thing that this talks about right here is it talks about this picture of a wedding It's a picture of a wedding. It talks about a feast. It talks about a bride and a groom. Now, we love weddings here. Matter of fact, there's been several times that we've done weddings right here on Saturday nights. I mean, there's people that have said, hey, I want to get married. And we're like, okay, let's do this. And, And we love weddings. Why? Why do we love weddings so much? Because it's a celebration. It's happy. It's a joyous occasion. It's a time when it, it shows people coming together. It's a, it's a great day. And this picture in Scripture that we're going to look at tonight is a great day. It's a great day of coming together. It's a picture that you and I have to fully understand so that when we look at ourselves in the context of God wanting to bring us together, we can understand another dynamic, another way that God wants for us to understand, not just the role that we play, but the role that he sees us in. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, I want to read you a short little story here. Jesus is having an interaction with some people here. And there are some religious leaders that are talking about Jesus. And it says here, One day, some people said to Jesus, 
John the Baptist's disciples, they fast and they pray regularly. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Jesus, why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while they're celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and that's when they will fast. And then Jesus gave them this illustration. He says, no one tears a piece of cloth from a brand new garment and then uses it to patch an old garment because then the new garment, it would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And Jesus says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would burst the wineskins and it would spill the wine and ruin the skins. No, new wine must be stored in new wineskins. No one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. They say, the old is just fine. In this story right here, Jesus is talking about a groom. He's talking about a wedding again. And he's talking about this picture that you and I have to understand. And Jesus is saying, I am a wedding groom. I am here on this earth and I'm playing a particular role. And one of the roles I'm playing is that of a groom. In other words, somebody that's going to get married, somebody that is, has a bride. It's really kind of a strange analogy if you ask me, but, but Jesus seems to want to paint this picture in several different places in Scripture. He begins talking about this wedding, and he begins talking about the fact that when he's here on the earth, he's spending time with the wedding party, with people who are taking part in the celebration alongside him, people who are looking forward to this event, people who are trying to celebrate and they're getting caught up in that moment. And he gets questioned. He gets questioned by religious leaders who are saying to him, you're different. All of our other religious teachers are talking about this future event when God will come to us. And when they talk about it, they talk about it with a somber attitude because they know that they're not in a place of joy or in a place where healing has come. They're in a place where they're waiting for the joy and the healing to come. They're in a place where they're anticipating the future. They're waiting for a coming event to take place. And Jesus begins to tell them, that event that you have been waiting for, that coming event that you say is going to be in the future, Jesus says, it's already happening. It's happening right here. It's happening right now. And it's happening through me. Jesus says, basically, everything that you've known up until this time is all changing. And it's changing right here before your very eyes. See, he starts to use analogies about clothing. Now, in those days, they used to use animal skins and they used to use cloth and they didn't have the same technology that we do where you could just, you know, get clothes very, very inexpensively if you needed them. And so they actually had to go through the labor when they would get a, a tear in their clothing to stitch a piece of cloth into it to keep it and to hold it a little while longer. But the problem with it was if they used a new piece of cloth that hadn't been aged, if it hadn't gone through the stretching process in, in their, its life, if they put that brand new piece of cloth on it, it would stretch the old cloth and it would just tear it. And, and Jesus was saying, look, you've got this old way of thinking. You've got this old way of seeing God. 
You've got this old way of trying to understand the way the world works. And Jesus says, just like that old cloth, something new has come. And this new thing is going to change everything that you know about God. He talks about wine and he talks about the fermentation process. And in those days when they would, they would make their wine to be able to drink it, they would put it into animal skins. And when they put it into the animal skins through the, through the process of the juice expanding, it would stretch that animal skin out. And once it was stretched, that was it. It couldn't stretch anymore. And so Jesus says, if you take that old skin and you put brand new juice in it again, if it stretches again, it's going to break. It's going to pop. And he says, you got to understand, this is all about a new skin and a new process. And Jesus is saying, I'm the groom. I've come and I'm celebrating with those that understand who I am and what I've come to do. And I want your eyes to be open. I want you to see that God is bringing a new way for you to be able to relate to God, for you to be able to understand what is going on. And it's really interesting to me that Jesus would talk about this in such a celebration type of a manner. Because part of the story of Jesus is a tragic, tragic story, isn't it? Jesus went through some of the most horrific things of any human being I've ever read about. Jesus walked through communities where just by his presence, he divided them into two camps. Half of the people were drawn to him and wanted what he had to offer and the teachings and the miracles that he performed. And the other half, they didn't believe what he said and they were scared and they thought he was from the devil and they shunned him. They ridiculed him, they mocked him and eventually they executed him. Jesus is talking about a wedding, such a happy occasion, even though he knew what his life was gonna have. Isn't that strange to you that Jesus would be so excited to go through something so painful and so difficult. Some of you here tonight, you need to understand that even though you look at the contents of your life and you think it's so bad and it's so painful and the things that I've endured and the things that I've experienced and the things that I've had to handle in life are so hard, the example of Christ of being able to see beauty through hard times is where our hearts have to be. We have to come to that place to where we say, Jesus, let me see something in the process. Because you and I have to understand that just like Jesus was talking about something old and something new, he's talking to us here tonight. Some of your lives are old and you look at them and you're just like, they can't take anything else. And God is saying, I'm ready to give you something new. But the problem is, is that new things make a stretch, right? New things, they hurt sometimes. New things, there's a process that's a part of going through something new. And some of you are being stretched over and over and over and over in your life. And it's healthy and it's good and it's a part of the healing process of what God is needing for you to go through. You say to me tonight, you say, how am I being stretched? What are you talking about? For some of you, just the fact that you come here on a Saturday night and the next week you come back again, guess what? God is stretching you. That's a stretching process for you just to make it through the front doors into a spiritual climate or a spiritual environment. You're working with God. You're saying, God, I don't know what this is all about. Some of you don't even believe in God. And I totally understand that because the beautiful thing is we come to God as we are. And then he brings about the change and he starts the stretching process. 
Some of you have stretched a little more. You've said, you know, I started going here on Saturday nights, but through getting to know people, I've actually showed up on Wednesday nights a few times. And all of a sudden, you're being stretched a little bit more. And then some of you have actually begun to make relationships with people. You've started to open up. You've begun to allow people into your life, and you've begun to experience relationship and what that looks like. You're being stretched a little bit more. Some of you have begun to explore the Scriptures, never read the Bible a day in your life, and you're just like, what's up with this Bible stuff? Why does Jason keep putting all this Bible in front of me? And that, and that drawing and that curiosity and that desire, some of you are telling me, I'm reading the Bible. I'm not sure what it all means yet, but I'm reading it, and I'm like, you're being stretched. God is pulling you. He is stretching you. He's opening you up. My friends, when God gives us something new, sometimes it's very, very difficult and it's very, very stretching. And the very thing that sometimes we think is never going to get better, God begins to unfold for us something completely different, a completely different picture to look at. These people that Jesus were talking to were people that understood tragedy. These were people that understood hard times. This culture this, this environment that he lived in, the people that were his audience that he was talking to were people that understood what it was like to suffer abuse. The Jewish people were people that had been taken actually as slaves at one point in their history. They had been taken out of their hometown, out of their home environment, and they had been transported by force into another land. And they were taken hostily. They were taken through abuse. They were taken into captivity. These people understood what it was to suffer. They understood what it was to go through difficulty. And so as Jesus is talking to them about this picture of a, of a wedding and of a groom, he's talking to people who have an understanding in their mind of a future event that's going to change everything for them. He's talking to a group of people who are thinking about something that's going to happen way down the line. How many of you, when you look at your life, have had thoughts like, it's too late for me. Things are too bad. I've gone too far. I've suffered too much. The, st- the, the deck is stacked against me. I've lost it all. And I don't see how things can ever get better again. My addiction, my family, the sickness, the lost loved ones, the hurt, all of these things. This is the audience that Jesus is talking to. And so when he begins to tell them, there's going to be a wedding and I'm the groom. Their ears perk up. They start to listen. Because for them, this picture of a bride and a groom and of a wedding is not just a random picture. This is an ancient picture. This is a picture that in these people's history goes back thousands and thousands of years. See, in their history, they understood this understanding that God wanted to have a relationship with them. But through the course of their life and through the tragedy and through the things that they had suffered, they'd been separated from God. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to talk about the fact that the groom has come and he is getting ready to show you guys what this is about, they're like talking amongst themselves going, wait a second, this is not random. This is not just any teacher. This is not just some guy that just shows up on the scene. This guy's talking about our history. This guy's talking about God and a promise. And if we look back in history to another scripture and found in the book of Isaiah, 
Isaiah chapter 62, we read a very interesting promise that God makes to this same group of people, the Jewish people, the children of Israel. He says here, the Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. God says to these people, never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit, to them, commit themselves to you, Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. And then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. This is a very interesting passage of scripture because everybody in Jesus' day knew this scripture that had any religious upbringing. They knew this scripture of God saying to them, the world right now laughs at you because you've lost everything. This group of people had been taken captive out of their hometown and they had lost everything. And Jesus, or God says, though the world may laugh at you for losing everything, I will not forget you. And the day will come when I will call you the bride of God. I will come back for you and I will bring you to myself just as a groom and a, and a, and a bride come together. You're going to be my, my bride And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he's talking to a group of people that had lost everything. Anybody here relate to that? He's talking to a group of people who had suffered intense, intense tragedy, who had gone through a season in their life that lasted a long time. And many of them had lost hope and had thought it'll never change. It'll never get any better. I will never, ever get back what was stolen and taken from me. And Jesus comes and he begins to speak language that they are just like going, what is this all about? Jesus begins to talk about the bride. He begins to talk about the groom. He begins to talk about the wedding. He begins to talk about the celebration and the joy and the feast. And he begins to talk about it in the first person. He's saying, I'm the groom. I've come. I've searched for you. I've looked for you. I've been the one from the time that you lost everything. I'm the one that promised that you would get it back someday. And so when Jesus comes to us tonight, we begin to ask ourselves, who is the bride that Jesus is talking about in Revelation? Who is the bride throughout, Christ, throughout Scripture that Jesus is talking about? It's, it's us. It's you and me here tonight. See, we've looked at a lot of pictures of ourselves We've, we've looked at this picture of a family and of a body and of a church. We've looked at a picture of being one, of coming together so that when we unite, the, the world doesn't just see a group of people, but when we unite, the world sees the love of God. We, we've talked about what it is when God brings us together as one, that it actually causes a change in people's hearts. Because there's nothing like this on the planet. There's nowhere else that you can go where people that are so diverse as you and I can come together in one place and experience one love and one unity in one faith with one Lord and one Savior and one baptism and 
with one breath, with one spirit. The same breath that you share in your lungs, the Holy Spirit of God, I share in mine. And we share this collective experience. And it's worldwide. It's all over the world. It's in churches all over Lodi. It's in churches all over the valley. And Jesus here tonight says, another picture for you to understand is a picture that you're my bride, that you're the ones that I desire. See, when we have weddings, one of the things that I love more than anything, it's my favorite, favorite moment of a wedding, is the moment when the guy, the groom that's getting married, turns and looks down the aisle and sees his his bride for the first time. I love that moment because it's that moment of him realizing this is, this is what I've been waiting for. This is that moment that I've been longing for. This is that moment. And there, there she is. She's right there. And the anticipation and the desire and the wait, it's over. And in that moment, he realizes, this is changing everything for me. And when God gives us the picture of a wedding, you guys, this is not some casual picture. This is a picture of a deep longing and desire of God for his people. This is a deep longing and desire of God for you and for me. Many of you here tonight, you're just like, why, why would God want me? Why would, why would God want me? I know what my life is made of. You don't understand. There's not much here. Why would God want me? And as we look at this picture, we see that this is, this is more than just the contents of our lives. This is the story. This is a love story of the heart of God that was broken because he lost his love, because he lost the desire of his heart. In the very beginning of time, when God created Adam and Eve, and he created these people to live with him, the center of this story was a love story heart of a father for his children and that unity and a connection and an intimacy that he created for all to enjoy. And when that was severed, when that was broken, when that was destroyed, when that was cursed, a heart was devastated and God's heart was torn apart. And from that point until Jesus came, he was longing for the day when he would be able to fill his heart come back together with his love again. And my friends, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. You complete God's heart. You make his heart come back together again. He desires for you. He longs for you. He, lo- he looks for you. He has is, he is targeted you to bring you back to himself And some of you sitting here tonight are like, I don't even know why I'm here. And I'm here to tell you that the reason that you're here is because of the love of God is relentless. And it pulls us like the gravity of this earth. That's why we call this place gravity, because we can't escape the love of God that never stops pulling us to to himself. We can mess up, we can blow it, we can make empty promises, and yet there his love is to just bring us over and over to himself. And when God looked at these people and Jesus declared to them, the groom has come. He's come to finish the story. 
He's come to bring about the marriage. He's come so that the celebration can start. What Jesus was saying and what you need to know here tonight is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. It doesn't matter what you see in your life. It doesn't matter what you look at when you lay everything out before you. It doesn't matter how you make sense. What matters is that God keeps his promises. And he has promised that he wants everybody to know him and that his heart is for you and his heart is all about restoration and redemption and reconciling us back to him. And the promise of God here tonight is that there is going to be a wedding and that there's going to be a celebration and that collectively, as us coming together, we form the bride of Christ, the bride of God. In other words, when he is looking down that aisle on that day, he sees us. He looks down the aisle at that pivotal moment and he sees us. I don't know about you, but that blows me away. He sees us and his eyes light up and his smile comes across his face and his heart leaps and he says, there she is. That's, that's what this has all been about. It's all been about this moment for me to come back together with the love that I lost and look at, they're one. It's one. It's not fragmented. It's not a bunch of different entities. It's one. The bride of Christ. The bride of God. Let's pray. God, tonight we, we want to just still our heart for a minute. God, and we want to open it up to you. Lord, we understand that Sometimes in our lives, we look at our life and our contents of our life and the experience of our life, and God, it's intimidating for us to even want to think about. It scares us to want to open up, to let people in and to let you in. But God, tonight, I pray that you would push past our fears. I pray you would push past our inhibitions and our walls that we construct and all of the things that we build to keep ourselves safe and protected from hurt. And God, I pray that you would find a way in and that you would touch us. Touch us on the inside. Touch us where we feel. Touch the real us. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you do what you do. We need you in this moment to touch our hearts. You've been listening to GravityChurch.com. 